Hi, this is book three, episode 14 of Puritans Read, where we read great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Continuing today, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, chapter four, showing the characteristics of a godly man, and section 13, A Godly Man is a Sincere Man. Use. As we would be reputed godly, let us strive for this characteristic of sincerity. Number one, sincerity renders us lovely in God's eyes. God says of the sincere soul, as of Zion, this is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Psalm 132, 14. A sincere heart is God's paradise of delight. Noah found grace in God's eyes. Why? What did God see in Noah? He was girt with the girdle of sincerity. Genesis 6, 9. Noah was perfect in his generation. Truth resembles God. And when God sees a sincere heart, he sees his own image and he cannot choose but fall in love with it. He that is upright in his way is God's delight. Proverbs 11, 20. Number two, sincerity makes our services find acceptance with God. The Church of Philadelphia had only a little strength. Her grace was weak, her service is slender, Yet of all the churches Christ wrote to, he found the least fault with her. What was the reason? Because she was most sincere. Thou hast kept fast my word, and hast not denied my name. Revelation 3.8 Though we cannot pay God all we owe, yet a little in current coin is accepted. God takes sincerity for full payment. A little gold Though rusty is better than alchemy, be it never so bright. A little sincerity, though rusted over with many infirmities, is of more value with God than all the glorious flourishes of hypocrites. Number three, sincerity is our safety. False hearts will step out of God's way and use carnal policy when they think they are most safe are least secure. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. Proverbs 10, 9. A sincere Christian will do nothing but what the word warrants, and that is safe as to the conscience. No, often the Lord takes care of the outward safety of those who are upright in their way. I laid me down and slept. Psalm 3, 5. David was now beleaguered by enemies, yet God so encamped about him by his providence that he could sleep as securely as in a garrison. The Lord sustained me. The only way to be safe is to be sincere. Number four. Sincerity is gospel perfection. Hast thou considered, my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and an upright man. Job 1, 8.
though a Christian is full of infirmities, and like a child that is put out to nurse, weak and feeble, God still looks on him as if he were completely righteous. Every true saint has the thummim of perfection on his breastplate. Number five, sincerity is what the devil attacks most. Satan's spite was not so much at Job's estate as his integrity. He would have wrested the shield of sincerity for him, but Job held that fast. Job 27, 6. A thief does not fight for an empty purse, but for money. The devil would have robbed Job of the jewel of a good conscience, and then he would have been poor Job indeed. Satan does not oppose profession, but sincerity. Let men go to church and make glorious pretense of holiness. Satan does not oppose this. This does him no hurt, and them no good. But if men want to be sincerely pious, then Satan musters up all his forces against them. Now what the devil most assaults, we must strive most to maintain. Sincerity is our fort royal, where our chief treasure lies. This fort is most shot at, therefore let us be more careful to preserve it. While a man keeps his castle, his castle will keep him. While we keep sincerity, sincerity will keep us. Number six. Sincerity is the beauty of a Christian. Wherein does the beauty of a diamond lie, but in this, that it is a true diamond? If it is counterfeit, it is worth nothing. So, wherein does the beauty of a Christian lie, but in this, that he has truth in the inward parts? Psalm 51, 6. Sincerity is a Christian's ensign of glory. It is both his breastplate to defend him and his crown to adorn him. Number seven, the vileness of hypocrisy. The Lord would have no leaven offered up in sacrifice. Leaven typified hypocrisy. Luke 12, 1. The hypocrite does the devil double service. Under the visor of piety, he can sin more and be less suspected. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Matthew twenty-three fourteen. Who would think that those who pray for so many hours on end would be guilty of extortion? Who would suspect of false weights? The man who has the Bible so often in his hand. Who would think that the one who seems to fear an oath would slander? Hypocrites are the worst sort of sinners. They reflect infinite dishonor upon religion. Hypocrisy, for the most part, ends in scandal, and that brings an evil report on the ways of God. One man breaking in renders the honest suspect. One scandalous hypocrite makes the world suspect that all professing Christians are like him. The hypocrite was born to spite religion and bring it into disrepute. The hypocrite is a liar. 
He worships God with his knee and his passions with his heart. Like those who feared the Lord and served their own gods. 2 Kings 17.33 The hypocrite is an impudent sinner. He knows his heart is false, yet he goes on. Judas knew himself to be a hypocrite. He asks, Master, is it I? Christ replies, Thou hast said it. Matthew 26.25 Yet so shameless was he as to persist in his falseness and betray Christ. All the plagues and curses written in the book of God are the hypocrite's portion. Hell is his place of rendezvous. Matthew 25.51 Hypocrites are the chief guests the devil expects, and he will make them as welcome as fire and brimstone can make them. Number eight. If the heart is sincere, God will wink at many failings. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Numbers 23, 21. God's love does not make him blind. He can see infirmities. But how? Not with an eye of revenge, but pity, as a physician sees a disease in his patient so as to heal him. God does not see iniquity in Jacob so as to destroy him, but to heal him. He went on frowardly. I have seen his ways and will heal him. Isaiah 57, 17, and 18. How much pride, vanity, passion does the Lord pass by in his sincere ones? He sees the integrity and pardons the infirmity. How much God overlooked in Asa. The high places were not removed, yet it is said, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. 2 Chronicles 15.17 We esteem a picture, though it is not drawn full length. So, though the graces of God's people are not drawn to their full length, no, have many scars and spots. Yet having something of God and sincerity, they shall find mercy. God loves the sincere, and it is the nature of love to cover infirmity. Number nine, nothing but sincerity will give us comfort in an hour of trouble. King Hezekiah thought he was dying Yet this revived him, that conscience drew up a certificate for him. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before thee in truth. Isaiah 38, 3. Sincerity was the best flower in his crown. What a golden shield this will be against Satan. When he roars at us by his temptations and sets our sins before us on our deathbed, then we shall answer, it is true, Satan, these have been our misdeeds, but we have bewailed them. If we have sinned, it was against the bent and purpose of our heart. This will stop the devil's mouth and make him retreat. Therefore, strive for this jewel of sincerity. If our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. 1 John three twenty one. 
if we are cleared at the petty sessions in our conscience, then we may be confident we shall be acquitted at the great assizes on the day of judgment. Section 14. A godly man is a heavenly man. Heaven is in him before he is in heaven. The Greek word for saint, hagios, signifies a man taken away from the earth. A person may live in one place, yet belong to another. He may live in Spain, yet be a free citizen of England. Pomponius lived in Athens, yet was a citizen of Rome. So a godly man is a while in the world, but he belongs to the Jerusalem above. That is the place to which he aspires. Every day is ascension day with a believer. The saints are called stars for their sublimity. They have gone above into the upper region. The way of life is above to the wise. Proverbs fifteen twenty four. A godly man is heavenly in six ways. In his election, in his disposition, in his communication, in his actions, in his expectation, in his conduct. Number one. A godly man is heavenly in his election. He chooses heavenly objects. David chose to be a resident in God's house. Psalm 84, 10. A godly person chooses Christ and grace before the most illustrious things under the sun. What a man is, that is his choice. And this choosing of God is best seen in a critical hour. When Christ and the world come into competition and we part with the world to keep Christ and a good conscience, that is a sign we have chosen the better part. Luke ten forty two. Number two, a godly man is heavenly in his disposition. He sets his affections on things above, Colossians 3, 2. He sends his heart to heaven before he gets there. He looks upon the world as but a beautiful prison, and he cannot be much in love with his fetters, though they are made of gold. A holy person contemplates glory and eternity. His desires have got wings and have fled to heaven. Grace is in the heart like fire, which makes it sparkle upwards in divine desires and ejaculations. Number three, a godly man is heavenly in his communication. His words are sprinkled with salt to season others. Colossians 4, 6. As soon as Christ had risen from the grave, he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Acts 1, 3. No sooner has a man risen from the grave of unregeneracy than he is speaking of heaven. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Ecclesiastes ten twelve. He speaks in such a heavenly manner 
as if he were already in heaven. The love he has for God will not allow him to be silent. The spouse, being sick of love, her tongue was like the pen of a ready writer. My beloved is white and ruddy. His head is as the most fine gold. Song of Solomon 5, 10 and 11. If there is wine in the house, the bush will be hung outside. And where there is a principle of godliness in the heart, it will vent itself at the lips. The bush will be hung up. How can they be termed godly? Firstly, who are possessed with a dumb devil. They never have any good discourse. They are fluent and discursive enough in secular things. They can speak of their wares and drugs. They can tell what a good crop they have. But in matters of religion, they are as if their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. There are many people in whose company you cannot tell what to make of them, whether they are Turks or atheists, for they never speak a word of Christ. Secondly, whose tongues are set on fire by hell. Their lips do not drop honey, but poison to the defiling of others. Plutarch says that speech ought to be like gold, which is of most value when it has least dross in it. Oh, the unclean, malicious words that some people utter. What an unsavory stench comes from these dunghills. Those lips that gallop so fast in sin need David's bridle. Psalm 39, 1. Can the body be healthy when the tongue is black? Can the heart be holy when the devil is in the lips? A godly man speaks the language of Canaan. They that feared the Lord spake often to one another. Malachi 3.16 Number four. A godly man is heavenly in his actions. The motions of the planets are celestial. A godly man is sublime and sacred in his motions. He works out salvation. He puts forth all his strength as they did in the Greek Olympics, so that he may obtain the garland made of the flowers of paradise. He prays, fasts, watches. He offers violence to heaven. He is divinely actuated. He carries on God's interest in the world. He does angels work. He is seraphic in his actions. Number five, a godly man is heavenly in his expectation. His hopes are above the world, Psalm 39, 7. In hope of eternal life, Titus 1, 2. A godly man casts anchor within the veil. He hopes to have his fetters of sin filed off. He hopes for such things as I has not seen. He hopes for a kingdom when he dies, a kingdom promised by the Father, purchased by the Son, assured by the Holy Ghost. As an heir lives in hope of the time when such a great estate shall fall to him, 
So, child of God, who is a co-heir with Christ, hopes for glory. This hope comforts him in all varieties of condition. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5, 2. Firstly, this hope comforts a godly man in affliction. Hope lightens and sweetens the most severe dispensations. A child of God can laugh with tears in his eyes. The time is shortly coming when the cross shall be taken off his shoulders and a crown set on his head. A saint at present is miserable with a thousand troubles. In an instant, he will be clothed with robes of immortality and advanced above seraphim. Secondly, this hope comforts a godly man in death. The righteous hath hope in his death. Proverbs 14.32 If one should ask a dying saint, when all his earthly comforts have gone, what he had left, he would say the helmet of hope. I have read of a woman martyr who, when the persecutors commanded that her breasts should be cut off, said, Tyrant, do your worst. I have two breasts which you cannot touch, the one of faith and the other of hope. A soul that has this blessed hope is above the desire of life or the fear of death. Would anyone be troubled at exchanging a poor lease for an inheritance that will be for him and his heirs? Who would worry about parting with life which is a lease that will soon run out to be possessed of a glorious inheritance in light. Number six, a godly man is heavenly in his conduct. He casts such a luster of holiness as adorns his profession. He lives as if he had seen the Lord with his bodily eyes. What zeal, sanctity, humility shines forth in his life. A godly person emulates not only the angels, but imitates Christ himself. 1 John 2, 6. The Macedonians celebrate the birthday of Alexander, on which day they wear his picture around their necks, set with pearl and rich jewels. So a godly man carries the lively picture of Christ about him in the heavenliness of his deportment. Our conversation is in heaven. Philippians 3.20. This has been Book 3, Episode 14 of Puritan's Read. We read The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, Chapter 4, and the second part of Section 13, through the first part of Section 14.